and good morning. Welcome to the uh, Old School, a podcast about the American education system. Uh, it's uh, idiosyncrasies, it's traits, it's quirks, it's problems and solutions. And so far as we know, the solutions. Good morning, Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Good morning, uh, or afternoon, I should say. Afternoon, yes. Yeah. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Um, if um, is it bad of me to ignore my family and watch football all weekend? You've been doing it for like 20 years. What, 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 what <laughs> See, the thing is, though, you know, with the with, it was just the wife, it's a it's an easier proposition to make. You know, you're only dealing with one person. But then it's the kid. And even the kid in the early years, she doesn't care what you're doing. She's just hanging out. But now kids got opinions. Kids have thoughts. This kid has uh, demands on my time that had previously heretofore been dedicated to watching football. Okay. Now, watching football and interrupting me watching football is not nearly a, an egregious an offense as if they had interrupted me watching baseball. That said, so, you know, I gotta be me. I gotta be, I gotta be my own man. <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything about baseball and <laughs> the idea of being interrupted. You're interrupting <laughs> something um, like silence basically <laughs> with something that's not silence i don't know that that's so bad um, it's I a think, meditative sport well i was thinking you were going to say that she decided to root for somebody other than the ravens because i know they're on today and i i did notice that that they're on tv and our podcast is at three so we'll be promptly done before kickoff certainly one would hope the way we started this um no i wouldn't take it too too seriously it's a long-term negotiation um i see you've done better than most of us i will say on that kind of thing it could be that sports becomes part of the soundtrack of her life okay you believe that <laughs> yes She's going to be. She studies uh, everything Egyptian, and so I think I would bet against the at least the football and baseball thing. But I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. It hasn't been known to happen. Yes, and I think Egyptologists are uh, more represented than you might think as baseball fans. There's something about the <laughs> contemplative uh, nature of Egyptology uh, to, to the fame of, the of baseball. <laughs> Probably one of the dumber things you've ever said. Uh, That's saying just, something. Yeah, it's just uh, it stands to reason that they would like baseball. <laughs> well, so we'll we'll go ahead and table that particular problem, and we go towards another problem. Now, you have children. I've seen a couple of them, so I know they exist. Did they take a lot of AP courses? I have three children and you know that my, my daughter is, is a little bit young, but she's going into the ninth grade. So she'll, she'll probably be taking AP physics as a ninth grader and AP calculus. She's, she is a bourgeois, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but yes, my, my boys have, have taken their share to the point where I'm saving about a year of college tuition from each of them. But that then brings up the question, you know, and that has to do with the reason why anything is interjected into the school system. And that is, well, ideally, one of the first questions is how does this help in the mission of a high school? But it would seem to be, and I do understand that I'm speaking as an AP teacher, but I, it, it does make you wonder what is the purpose of AP outside of the framework of what a high school is supposed to be doing? 
Oh, I think you know that answer. It's it's a it's a subtle, not so t- subtle attempt to track students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have in quotation marks the AP track, the advanced track, but but really that's uh, that starts in, in the freshmen. So those it's not like somebody is just taking AP physics and regular in quotes classes right. the rest of the time. So it's it's really a separate a school within a school has been effectively achieved but they can't call it tracking because it's AP or dual. Uh, but particularly AP has that. Uh, I mean, look at the students you have in there. They're the top students in the class, and they've been there since um, probably fifth grade. You know, on yeah. But I do wonder sometimes how well we are serving them by the AP curriculum. I mean, could a school be a good school, maybe even a great school, without AP classes? Let's say they had honors. Let's just call something as generic as, say, honors. Is it possible that you could have a school that was just as productive, that was just as impressive, absent of an AP class? So would you argue that, imagine the other three or four really good schools in your district mm-hmm. um, continued with AP, but your school, uh, in its wisdom, decided to drop AP? Um, there would be some repercussions, particularly as far as getting into colleges. And I, I don't know how long that would last, but but I think you've established it. So you can't really put the genie in the bottle. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think definitely if you're talking about like a single high school amongst a bunch of others within a particular district, I don't think that a single high school would be able to have the chutzpah to be able, or, or even the power to be able to say, we're not going to do AP classes anymore. Right. It's a district thing. Yes. Um, but you're talking philosophically. Can the education be as good? Right. Um, yeah. I would. I would I, to me, it's just it's just class. I mean, they. It's a high school teacher who who does have to create a, a syllabus that's been a, approved by the college board. Right. But how many of those syllabi have not been approved? I mean, the, their approval rate's pretty high. Right. Well, and it helps the fact that they basically. Well, they, they, there's two things they can, they do, the college board does, that kind of circumvents this notion that everybody's syllabus is being thoroughly checked and, and measured and whatever the case may be. One is that they provide sample syllabi. Right. And you can just, you can just uh, point, click, save, and submit. Plagiarize. Basically. I mean, they're inviting you to do it. Here are a couple of examples from which you could choose. Okay. The other idea that they do and they allow is for you to copy the syllabus of someone, a teacher who's already had their syllabus approved. Mm-hmm. And this, this works in, this is considered kosher because if you have two teachers teaching the same subject on the same campus, then for the sake of everyone being on the same page, wouldn't it be great if they both had the same syllabi? And so they allow that to happen. Now, Initially, the whole purpose for the AP audit was that there was a bunch of people that were teaching AP courses. Kids were making like a hundred on the course and then making a two on the AP exam, which is for the uninitiated, a failing grade. And so there was a feeling by the college board that that's something that they had to try to mitigate. Okay. And it seems like from the school point of view, that the introduction of AP courses not, is not just a question of tracking. It's also a question of money and parents looking to try to save money going into college. Not a capricious concern, by the way. I just wonder philosophically, 
does it make sense? Is it is it for the betterment of the student that we have these kind of courses? Um, well, let me ask a, a snarky question. Um, Go for it. The benefit, you know, on the face of it to taking an, a lot of AP classes is that it it weights your your GPA for those classes, so you're getting a higher GPA. Yes. If you have interest in being in the top ten percent or eight percent, you can't without a without substantial AP number of AP courses. Right. Um, so imagine that that were not the case, uh, or imagine let, let's just flip it around. Say that there was no um, waiting on AP or dual enrollment. Same as every class, mm-hmm. right? Um, would students enroll in AP classes? You know, they are. I mean, it's the same content. They're difficult courses now, mm-hmm. um, but they're they're fighting against um, students or competing who are taking less rigorous regular courses you know what direction will the students go in that case well it's hard to imagine i i would imagine that kids would probably still take the course or at least the majority of them would holy cow that was you right that was me okay so but i think a majority of the students would probably still take it because it's because i think what trumps the idea of uh the gpa is the idea of college credit garnered and so if it that's if that component is still there i think perhaps kids still take it i think that i think you're you still got a bigger problem though with the gpa thing mm-hmm. because what the ap has done is that it has created a greater disparity between ap and honors or ap and regular or ap and god knows what else dual what have you and so you you've created a more stratified system in which kids fall into whether they want to or not and uh, and with that comes its own problems well you mentioned dual enrollment and that that is where students are simultaneously enrolled usually at a community college and and their high school taught by a a college professor or um, someone on campus who happens to have a master's degree who can get a little extra pay and do do both sure Uh, the the word on the street is that AP is significantly more rigorous than dual enrollment. Yes. Um, your course is more rigorous than something that they take at the community college as a freshman. Right. Um, so many schools have recognized that, many districts, and, and have a weighting maybe 1.25 for dual and another weighting maybe 1.5, whatever it is, for AP and mm-hmm. one for everything else. Right. But a lot of schools and districts have the same weighting uh, for AP and dual. Yes. And so it, it's really taking, I mean, there's a huge pressure. That was at a school where we both taught, where mm-hmm. people are signing up for dual in droves because it was easier and they, they padded their GPA and they got college credit. Right. Uh, and so AP suffered. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there's another, I guess, competition in play. Um, is that still the case or, or has your school uh, seen the light and have different weighting for, for dual and uh, AP? Actually, they did have different weightings, but now they have started to go more towards, um, you know, as it relates to dual and AP, having the same weighting is because it's this, I guess it's the same kind of concept in their mind. They think that these are both college classes that are being taken. But as you stated, you talk to the average 10th grader Mm -hmm. about which class they want to go into. Do they want to go into dual U.S. history or do they want to go into AP U.S. history? And the vast, and and this, this, I was about to say a vast majority, not a vast majority, but certainly there is a sizable group of folks who 
think that the duel is easier. Ergo, I'm going to go take the duel. It's all about their their score. And in, in high schools these days, it's not like a you get an A and you max out at four points. They right. they count the percentage and half a percentage. Maybe you get a ninety nine or a ninety seven. Those things matter. Yes. Um, so there there would be a pressure to take whatever is going to help you get the higher actual percentage grade in the course, which is dual. Right. But in the backdrop of all this stuff mm-hmm. lies my initial problem. Cause we just spent the last five minutes riveting as it was yeah, talking so. about how, <laughs> talking about how students are gaming a system that the high schools are gaming kind of this tiered scaffolding kind of setup where kids go to one or the other and lost in all this discussion is learning us history. And I, and, and so I want, you know, of course, I don't, I don't think a public school could ever get away with doing this. I think it would have to be something like, um, it would have to be something like um, like a private school or some sort of charter school that decides to do something along those lines. And that is the idea of getting rid of uh, all AP classes, maybe in, in lieu of AP classes, having something like honors. Well, so, so the, I mean, let's, let's put on our administrator hat now. There, there's okay. a, a ranking by the U.S. News and World Report. Okay. Um, probably Newsweek and others. Um, and, and, the, and Newsweek has one also. The, the, it, it's based to a large extent on the number of advanced courses, specifically AP courses, that not only they offer, but are taken. Right. Um, has nothing to do with how many students pass the test or even right. the test. They can not even take the test, but they need to be enrolled. Right. Um, And and so that's a big deal, you know, from the school and the district particularly. And that's why you see, that's why um, I don't really remember what it was like, say, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But, you know, AP courses are open enrollment. Anybody can sign up for an AP course. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason for that is when Newsweek and others, U.S. News and World Report, began to make how many seats are filled in an AP class as a as some sort of measure of the school itself, right? Which doesn't make any sense because it's nothing to do with education. It has nothing to do with what the kids are doing. Well, as you said, they don't count what the kids do on the AP exam, or rather, even if they take it. Um, it would be better. Maybe they they've moved to this now. Is actually look at the the pass rate, mm-hmm. um, and and. It, it, we need to research that and find out, but that would be a better metric, I think, um, including sure. including the number of seats. I mean, I think that is relevant, but the pass rate um, would matter too. Not so much the amount of uh, people in seats, but how many people took the test in conjunction with how many people did well in the test or what have you, that could be an element of it. The dual credit thing, I don't, and this is part of a larger, again, another larger problem that we're talking about, and that is the idea about how school sets up or how high school sets up, you know, the different subjects and what have you. But I remember when college dual credit courses came first came into high school, I, I, I made the observation it was a little bit like the money changers in the temple. You know, I didn't I didn't understand the purpose of having such a blatant kind of usurpation of uh, high school funds for the purposes of college funds, it just didn't seem like it was serving the interests of what we were supposed to do in high school. Haven't, have you taught dual enrollment? 
I have taught it uh, a couple of times. Yes. It was usually one-offs because um, I may have mentioned this before, you know, and, and as department chair, when I'm making up a schedule, oftentimes there's that one course that I can't get filled. And so I, I will do the course and I will, you know, I'll teach whatever is out there that needs to be taught. But, um, but typically we have a very fine U.S. history teacher that does it uh, for us at, at, at my school. But, I, you know, again, you know, if, you know, what is the purpose of learning U.S. history? What is the purpose of learning biology? What's the purpose of learning physics, you know? And, you know, part of the kind of larger argument that we have spoken of in the past is that it has to be, if it's going to be authentic, if the students are going to have a long-term benefit, it's got to be something more than getting into a school, establishing a GPA, or something to do occupational wise, it has to be something different than that. Um, the perspective of a student would, would have to do with, uh, you need to jump ahead to, to being in college, hmm. um, particularly for something like, like English, you know, where if, if they pass, maybe get a four uh, out of five on the um, English, you know, the what literature or um, English, um, AP exam, they would not have to take freshman or in some cases, sophomore English, you know, which does matter. It's not, mm-hmm. not as much about the parent paying, but I, I think that, you know, what I saw initially, because I, I was alarmed when, when AP and dual came out too, I was thinking there's a benefit to taking these courses when you're a freshman in college on campus from a professor, not an adjunct person, you know, God bless them, but somebody who's an adjunct at a um, community college is different than a, than a full, full on or a professor at the university. So they're missing out to some extent, not only mm-hmm. on the experience of the professor, but potentially just the experience in the class. And it, it's more than gaming the system. It's kind of shutting down. Imagine you're never going to read another novel throughout right. college because you managed to, you know, get past that never to return, you know, in, in high school as a junior often. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that make a better person? You know, are you, are you, um, you know, are you doing something to further the cause of literacy by making these kids or maybe compelling these kids to do all this stuff in the, in a span of a couple of years in high school so that they never have to do it again? You know, is there a benefit uh, to stretching this out more? Is there a benefit for where, you know, these kids should be reading, even if it has nothing to do with what it is that they're going to be studying? Let's say they're a mathematician. Let's say they're a scientist. Do they not gain something by reading Faust? Do they not gain something by reading, um, you know, Prost? I, I don't know. I mean, there, there, I, I can't imagine that there's not a more complete, well-rounded way of training people. And the training though, can't really take place in high school. I mean, I, I think the high school is meant for something different. Well, an, an AP course in literature, there, there, there's really not a core um, reading list. Uh, right. they're, they're learning how to write a, an essay and analyze any any piece of literature and they can refer to the one or two things they happen to read that, that year. But but transition to let's say U.S. history for fun. Um, fun, sure. If, if a lot of people pass the U.S. history course, I'm not saying the AP test is easy. Sure. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, but yeah, actually, it's supposed to 
the word on the street is there, there's a lot of material and a lot of studying involved to to do well. But should they get a three or a four or a five, um, are they in, they're they're not taking your course in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe speak to that. What's what's your impression of that? I know you're a great teacher in high school, but would you like them to have that college experience? It's more than just that, but I, I think you know to, to suggest that one year of U.S. history and you've got it all. Uh, to suggest that something cannot be learned more by somebody who has maybe a greater a, a greater in-depth command of, of various things. I mean, you could take, you know, for example, so there's two US, AP U.S. history teachers on my campus. I think a student who were to take both of those teachers would, one, really know U.S. history, but also get really different qualities from both folks. Um, and so I think in the same way, as good as I think I am in U.S. history, and, and by the way, it should, it should be said, I'm pretty good at U.S. history, but I, I can't help but think that they're going to get a, at the very least, a different kind of education, a different kind of emphasis uh, in a U.S. history class on a college campus. And so uh, t- to me, the idea of taking classes so you never have to take the subject again seems to me on its face anti-intellectual. So maybe we, we need to say a few good things about AP, uh, just to <laughs> round the things out. Um, we've gone on record saying that we want school to be relatively more challenging for students than less. Yes. And the fact that there is a summative assessment that's um, standardized, meaning it, it, it's a national test, everybody takes the same test, um, it, it puts a little bit of um, pressure on students to, to work throughout the year. Um, and, and beyond the tests that you give. And, and so there is a, a, a standard and it's a high standard. Um, so overall, is the school better off you know, with, with that, even though it's for 10 or maybe 20% of the, the student body? I think what I like about teaching AP is based on something that's more a product that AP is in high schools and not necessarily by AP in and of itself. So what has happened when I, we just mentioned a few minutes ago, what you have is you have a large stratification of levels between quote unquote on level or regular U.S. history, dual U.S. history, and then AP U.S. history. And as that, as that, uh, that those gaps have widened over the years and they have widened, especially, you know, when you also factor in, you know, special ed and all, and all that, what I find with AP is that it allows me to do more than I could perhaps in another kind of class. So in that sense, AP, I like AP because it allows me to do that. And, well, I, and, and I, it would be, it's wanting uh, in other courses. But they've summarily removed or self-selected um, the what we used to call sweat hogs, the students who are yes. really not uh, <laughs> necessarily the ones that you want to be teaching the nuances of U.S. or world history right. um, are, are not in there. So there, there, there's something to that, too. I mean, as a teacher, you you probably don't want to teach, teach on level if you don't have to. You know, you'd, you'd be happier teaching. When's the last time you taught an on-level course? Well, a couple of years ago, because like I said, I mean, I, 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 you know, because of my position, I sometimes will pick up whatever extra section of anything that we have to do. And so I've done on several occasions, I've done online world history, not online, um, on-level world history. On-level. Yeah. And so um, 
that's probably the that's probably the regular level class I've probably taught most often, say in the last eight years. Okay. But primarily I teach AP US history, but I do I have taught on level classes as well. Okay. Uh, there's a there's something that high school students do in the in their senior year, and this might relate to our topic. Um, but imagine a student who has already been accepted or turned in their application. So everything is really to them, it's done. Right. You know, the grades are in, nothing else counts unless they're trying to be valedictorian or something crazy like that. Right. Um, so they, they promptly, after the fall semester of their senior year, withdraw from the AP course and enroll in an on-level course. And, mm-hmm. and this is not a, a small thing. Lots of students do it probably at your school just yes. by the nature of it because it takes some pressure off. They're not going to have the type of workload for that last semester. Is that something you've seen a lot? Um, not, not just that, but I think the more problematic trend is loading up on years one through three. So you can have three periods off on your senior year. Okay. So you stroll in at nine 30 or you leave at one kids walk by your room. See, Mr. Roller, you know, going home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go home. Um, and so, you know, so that, that trend too is based on the same idea. We, we create a system where we say it's okay to throttle back. And I just don't know if long-term that serves us folks very well. How many stories have you heard about kids that either had a, a crap schedule at the last semester of their high school career or had two or three classes off the last year of their high school career and then tried to gear it back up the first year of college? That's not an easy thing to do. You know, we're seeing it now with kids have been staying at home, sitting in their pajamas for the last year. And now all of a sudden they got to come into a school building and act like a civilized human being, you know, you know, so we see the damage that this causes. Well, you you talked to me a little offline about um, inviting a a counselor, someone um, who actually knows the stuff. I mean, we're throwing around numbers saying a lot of students leave the the AP to go online. Right. Um, They're the ones who register them in mass and and, and can uh, uh, attest to that. And and probably a lot of the things, it's not just at the level of fact check, but I'd like to see what the philosophy is, you know, from from their standpoint, because a counselor is not just somebody who builds students' schedules. They actually have a giving counsel role and and Mm -hmm. particularly somebody who has has something to do with college preparation and what what are the colleges looking for um i I think we should do that you know maybe invite someone and i'd like to follow up with this um we we've had opinions on this that have pretty much stayed the same at least mine has i think yours has right on this topic Uh, so we really haven't grown because we're we've seen it and said okay this is what we're looking at but at the same time you're in the belly of the beast you're teaching ap right um so so let what do you think shall we just invite somebody they'll probably turn us down but they could but as it happens i happen to know somebody who i think might be uh, a good addition to the conversation so i'll reach out to him and see what he thinks and uh uh perhaps maybe the next time we're all together we shall have uh, a distinguished member of the counseling profession i'm worried because usually we say this and, and nobody shows um, i'd be willing to do a side 
major on this. The person will probably like fake an injury or something, something at the last minute. Um, just, just so you know where I stand on this, but I mean, I'd, I'd be excited about it. Um, I think I think we need to keep the no shows just the elementary school teachers. I think if we if we branch out more, the people are going to start wondering: Do we really even know people? You know, yeah. I think we we we're we're risking damaging what little dignity and reputation we might have. So that's true. We've we've had we've had three guests and we three guests in our what thirty odd episodes, and um, we've we've been teasing guests you know yes. for, for weeks on end yeah wait till next week yeah we'll but and every time we have a guest those are some of our highest rated <laughs> podcasts no uh, one wants to hear <laughs> I, i've noticed that too uh, <laughs> um, that's it, 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 pretty stark um, all right well let's see let's see if we can uh swindle a counselor onto uh into our little uh operation here uh until then um, the Ravens are playing. We we, we must adjourn. Uh, kickoff is probably nigh upon us. We, we we should take another five or ten minutes and really get into that topic a little bit more. Just let's take see. I think uh, let's keep it fresh. Let's uh, let's wait till let's wait till next time. <laughs> okay. yeah. we'll, so, we'll, we'll go with that. But um, you know, but okay. they, we, you know, you know, Ravens are playing today. Um, somehow, <laughs> I'll die a happy man if I know who the Ravens are playing. I don't. They're, they're playing the hated Steelers. The Steelers were like they're they're not as um, dangerous. They were kind of they were struggling a week ago. They had a bad loss to to Cincinnati, I believe. Yes. Um, so, but, but you're counting there. It's still it, the Steelers. It, it, yeah. Still defeating the Steelers. It doesn't matter whether they're good or bad. It still feels good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm pulling for you here, Miller. Okay. Um, Thank you very much. All right. Well, in that case, uh, then I will say adieu, Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Auf Wiedersehen, auf Wiederhören, Herr Miller.